Amen. Please be seated. Thanks, Lewis. Thanks, Beth. Thanks, guys. Really good. Uh, adding my own welcome to Linda's, of course, and um, welcome to those who are joining us online and on the live stream. There are Bibles available. So Lucy, our warden's going to come down the rows. If you'd like a Bible, it'd be great to have a Bible, to have the words open on the page so that we can see uh, what it is that the Lord Jesus is saying to us this morning. We're in a two-part series on the sacraments. So last week we had Archdeacon Mike come and speak to us about baptism. That's number one. And then this week we're going to think about the Lord's Supper number two. Remember that sacraments are instructions that Jesus gave his people um, that come with a sign, a physical sign. Of course, Jesus gave us lots of instructions. Love your enemies. <laughs> Do good to those who persecute you and pray for them. He gave us loads of instructions, but there are a few which came with a physical symbol. Baptism is one. So the word baptism just means wash. So when he says, go into all the world, baptize, he could have just said wash. I mean, literally it would translate, go and wash the world <laughs> uh, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which involves water. So there's a symbol in creation, something real. You can touch it and feel it. He says, use that, wash people, do it in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was an instruction full of promise full of his promise, his presence. He'll, I'll be with you when you do this. Then the other one is the Lord's Supper. So he takes physical things, bread, wine, and he instructs us, remember me. Have this meal in my memory and I will be with you. This will be my body. This will be my blood. And he instructs us to do that as a memorial um, together. So those two times, there is a third which gets close, which is foot washing. Um, so sometimes people have looked and said, well, that's, that's pretty close as well. You know, you're instructed to wash each other's feet. That's involving water as well. The church has kind of gone, well, yeah, but it's kind of similar to baptism. So that's, that's that really. So we've not, we've not sort of labeled that so much as a sacrament in the history of the church. But um, the other one that you might be aware of in the New Testament is healing, so asking people to come and pray for you using oil. But that comes up in James. It comes up in the epistles. It's there in the New Testament. Of course, we still do that in the church. We still do offer prayers of healing and use oil. Um, but the only two that really hit the gold standard of Jesus' words, his instructions to his disciples were baptism and the Lord's Supper. So the Church of England and indeed most of the Western church, uh, Protestant church at least, have acknowledged two sacraments. So last week, baptism. Um, can I just add something that um, the Archdeacon made quite a big case for uh, infant baptism and uh, that's the way the Church of England understands it. Can I just add that I have great respect for the adult Baptist or, or believers Baptist tradition. Um, and I massively appreciate that tradition in the sense that it was keen to renew the link between repentance and faith with baptism and didn't want to see baptism just become a meaningless symbol. And for that reason alone, and others besides, 
I honor that tradition. And I want to say that publicly so that you know that if that's your view, I respect that. Um, but certainly myself and the Church of England have received baptism for people of any age. But that's that, that's baptism. We're going to think about the Lord's Supper. And I'm going to read, let's read from Luke. This is Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. I'm going to read a few verses. It's page 1057 in the Church Bibles. And this is the account. This is the account, according to Luke, of Jesus having this meal with his disciples. Here it is. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I will tell you, I tell you, I will not drink it again and I will not drink from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Right. I have some pictures. Let me just get those out. Here we are. I know you're intrigued. What is going on here? Get the other stand. Okay, hopefully you can all see this, and there the camera on the live stream can see it too. Uh, I'm going to show you first this one. Very famous. Does everyone know this picture? Has anyone seen it in the flesh? Anyone been to Paris and been to the Louvre? Here we are, the Mona Lisa. So uh, I believe, I'm no, by the way, I'm a complete ignoramus when it comes to art. But uh, I've looked it up on Google. Uh, 16th century, Leonardo da Vinci. I'm checking my notes now. Um, This is, uh, people say it's a wonderful grasp of human anatomy. Um, A great example of natural realism. I don't even know what some of these things mean. Uh, Takes us into the identity and experience of women, especially women at the time. Now this is, of course, this is the, this is the traditional uh, Mona Lisa, we're familiar with it. This is, the, this is sort of um, the original look. But you may prefer, you might want to put that up on your wall. Or you might prefer, let's have a look now. You might prefer this one. <laughs> now, this is a slightly more modern take on the Mona Lisa, which I think looks ever so slightly like Mary Cherney, (laughs) with uh, some pink sunnies and uh, strawberry smoothie there. This one, you notice, if you want to after the service, you can come and sort of take a closer look at these. 
What I like about this one is she's actually on the beach. Can you see the water's right there? Here, on this one, she's got an awful long way to go down that path. She's going to carry all her beach clobber all the way down to get to the beach there. Whereas here, she's right on it. She's chilling. She's got her strawberry smoothie and the sunny's on. Now, you might, you might prefer to have this one on your wall because actually this is funky, it's new, it's modern, it's connecting with me, it's speaking my language, it's fun, all those sorts of things. Or you might say, no, I like the, I like the traditional one, classic, proper. That's the proper one. Got to go with the proper one. I prefer to have this one on my wall. Now, this, I put these two pictures up as a bit of an allegory for what happens here on a Sunday morning. I've preached this sermon, by the way, at the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. <laughs> so, the 9 a.m. sort of sits more squarely in probably this camp over here. Proper. We do the proper hymns, proper prayers. We say the proper words. It's the original 16th century stuff. That's, that's what it, this is how it should be done, like that. That's kind of a, a bit of a take on the 9 a.m. Whereas I suppose more at the 11 a.m. at St. John's here, a bit more funky, a bit more groovy with a, a few guitars and a little bit more informal, all-age prayers, kids' slot, all that sort of thing, a little bit more contemporary. Now, you might prefer contemporary, up-to-date, making use of modern things, type church. You might prefer traditional, proper, classic, whatever, type church. Let me tell you, um, both of these paintings, uh, let me check now, were off Etsy for about $3.99. So both of them, in actual fact, are equally worthless. Neither of them are worth hundreds of millions, so don't try and nick them. Both of them, whether you want to take the traditional one, if you fancy nicking that, it's not worth anything. Or whether you want to take the modern funky one, it is also only worth a few quid. So in that sense, both of these pictures, though they may represent your preference, are in themselves totally worthless. Which gets me on. So the question I want to ask this morning is what has Jesus given us as his church to enable us to be authentic? Because you can be traditional and worthless or you could be contemporary and worthless unless we know what it is that Jesus wants us to do as his people that will make it valuable to be his people, to be his church. Now he's given us, of course, his word. He's given us his spirit, yes. But quite specifically, he's given us a meal. He's given us a meal of bread and wine uh, which the whole church agrees is indispensable to church life together. And a very rich, deep, um, 
heavy with promise, that Christian symbol that will safeguard or ought to safeguard the church and make it or help to make it an authentic Christian community. So I want to look, what is it that was on Jesus' mind? What was on his mind when he set this meal up with his disciples all those years ago? Let's have a look at those. We're going to look at four things. And that, those things, I hope, will shape the way we think about church life so that we're, with, we're authentic, we're the real thing. Whether we do it the traditional route, whether we do it the contemporary route, there's something underneath these outward things that is real and authentic. Four things. Number one, here's the first one. Jesus wants, he expects for his people to be hopeful for a future day. Let me read from verse 17. After taking the cup, incidentally in Luke's gospel, do you know he has a cup, then he has bread, and then he has a cup again? Luke kind of separates out two cups. The other other gospels don't do it. But in Luke, you get it this way. Uh, So the first cup is like this. After taking the cup, Jesus gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Now think about this. Jesus said to his disciples then, I'm not going to drink any more wine after this meal. No more fruit of the vine for me until the kingdom of God comes. Now let me point out, just in case you're wondering, uh, he did eat with his disciples after he rose from the dead. But it's recorded that he had some fish, certainly had some bread. Nowhere recorded that he had some wine. So in his resurrection days, those 40 days that he spent with his disciples, that wasn't the time for the coming of his kingdom. Um, Not in its fullness. He didn't drink wine then. He's waiting and still waiting. Jesus has said to himself, now I'm going to abstain I'm going to hold off because I'm very, very excited about a future day when my kingdom will come fully, I'll be together with my people, and then we will banquet. And then we will share the fruit of the vine together. So he's holding off. To this day, he's holding off, waiting. Now, in a similar way, he's kind of done the opposite with us. He's like, I want you, disciples, to not abstain, I'll do the hard thing. <laughs> I'll abstain. You take wine. You drink the fruit of the vine, but with that same sense of expectation. We're waiting. We're waiting for a future day. Here's one of the prayers of the Church of England that we say during communion. Therefore we proclaim the death that he suffered on the cross. We celebrate his resurrection, his bursting from the tomb, We rejoice that he reigns at your right hand on high and we long for his coming. Jesus wanted us, as he set up this meal, to be a people who long for his appearing. I can't wait, that future day. People should look at us and go, oh, Mike, he is living for a future day. I can see it in his life by his choices, decisions, by what he prioritizes. I can see, he's looking, he's got a, there's a day coming. 
I, I tell them, um, Jackie Rossi told me the other day that she wanted to get a tattoo. Um, and it was based on an illustration that I gave uh, a couple years ago. Um, and it's like this. I'll do it again for those of you who haven't heard it. Um, two boxes. Imagine two boxes, both identical, like big boxes, uh, sort of room-sized boxes, identical. And uh, two people are going to be dropped into the boxes, and the boxes aren't very pleasant, the bed's pretty hard, the food that's going to be shoved through the bottom of the door isn't very nice, uh, the telly just plays, I don't know, um, cash in the attic, like 24-7, over and over again, something like that. All very, all sort of mind-lumbingly bad. But the person who goes into box one is just told, you're going to be in there for a month, and then you can come out. The person in box two is told you're going to go in for a month, but when you come out, you're going to be given 10 million pounds. Now, here's the thing. Both people go into their box room thing. The difference in their circumstances in those moments is nil, nothing. There's no difference in their circumstances. They both have to eat rubbish food, non-stop cash in the attic, hard bed, all that sort of thing. But the difference in their experience is poles apart. person in box one's like, oh my goodness, I've been shoved in this box. I've got to sleep on this horrible bed. I've got to eat this tasteless, boring food. Watch this mind-numbing telly. Why on earth have I been put here? When am I getting out? How many more days? Person in box two, this bed's not so bad actually. It's quite, oh, so it's fine. Could sleep in there for several months. Food, yeah, it's not, it's not great, but it's all right. Telly, I quite like cash in the attic. You know, I can do this, it's all right. Doesn't mind. Completely different experience because he knows what's coming future. Completely different. Worlds apart. So I said back then, I'll say it again today, Christians are box two people. People should look at us and think, here is someone who's living in box two, expectant, hopeful for a future kingdom, a great coming and the appearing of our Lord Jesus, a banquet, a day of great celebration. Box two people. So Jesus had that on his mind. He's abstaining from wine. We're taking wine, remembering this. He said it. I won't drink again until the kingdom of God comes. Point two. He wants us to be a people who understand that the Lord had to give himself body and blood. Let me read you this. He took bread. He gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And Matthew adds there, poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Now, this is a very strange thing. I'd imagine if you, if, you know, if you just think about it, if you were to say to someone, hey, do you want to come to a meeting just down the road from here? 
And I'll tell you what we do in that meeting. We get together, uh, we sing some songs, teas and coffees. About halfway through, we eat someone's flesh and we drink their blood. Um, do you want to come? <laughs> Most normal sane people would say, um, I'll probably give that a miss. You're all right, mate. It is a very, very strange thing that we do, if you think about it. We're all initiated, most of us, I'm guessing. Uh, I've been around church for a while, so we're used to the idea. But it's very strange. You can't sanitize this. So I, I generally do sanitize my hands. We make sure everything's nice and laid out proper and it's all clean and all that sort of thing. We play some nice music and all that kind of thing. But you can't get away from the symbol. Body broken, blood outpoured. The idea is, isn't it, we're, we understand as Christian people that to bring us into this community we call the church, it took the body and the blood of the Son of God. And you cannot get around it. That symbol is fixed in the middle of our Christian life together. And Jesus wanted it that way. You can't sanitize this. I'm not going to let you. You need to, we all need to appreciate to come into this family took the body and blood of God. And so from the service, from the, from the words that we say together, we say these words, we say at the end of supper, taking the cup of wine, he gave you thanks and said, drink this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And we all say, Father, we do this in remembrance of him. His blood is shed for all. It makes us a humble people, doesn't it? It makes us a humble people. It took that. So I, I think actually in the life of a Christian person, a big shift happens when we, when we come to Christ. And that is, I think, that we, we shift from saying, do you know what? The stuff that's wrong with the world, everything wrong with the world is those people, that person, that thing over there, those things over there, whatever, the list goes on. When you become a Christian, you come into this family and you realize what it costs to bring us here. We realize, we humble ourselves and we say, no, the thing that's wrong, really, what took such depth of suffering and sacrifice to bring me into this place shows me that the one thing that's wrong, I can say at least, is me. Do you say that when you come into this church? When you come into this church, or any church for that matter, do you say, do you know, the, the, the main thing wrong with this place, I do, the main thing wrong with this place, if we, if we could just sort something out, it would be me. Because it took the death of God, body and blood, to get me in here. And that's the change that Jesus makes to each and every one of us, I hope can't sanitize it. Body and blood. Three, this meal, this meal makes us a people who regularly, regularly and habitually acknowledge we need Jesus. We don't stop 
needing Jesus. Have you noticed this? So in the Bible, we're told each time, whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me, whenever it happens. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 11, if you want to look it up, gives you a sense, if you read that chapter, that every time the Christians got together, they shared this meal. certainly looks like it. It looks like each time they gathered, they shared bread and wine together. So that is, every time, it wasn't just once, you become a Christian, you get baptized, you have the Lord's Supper, and then that's it, you're done. It's every time they gathered, they would do this. And they would say, wouldn't they, in that moment, in a sense, as a Christian community, we constantly, always need you, Jesus. We won't stop needing you, Jesus. So every time we get together as a church, we're going to demonstrate. We're going to, you know, um, by the way we gather together and the things we do, we're going to show that we need you, Lord. Now, there are practical considerations for when we take, so in this service, we do it once a month. Um, in, other, in the 9 a.m., we do it every week. In other churches, I know it's, it's more often or less often. Of course, there's practical considerations, and everyone has to think about those. It, in fact, just one of the other practical considerations that's just come into this is, I did put it in my email, so I'll answer it now. Um, we, we, we use wafers. You know these wafers things that we, we offer here? Um, the only reason for that, really, is a practical one. Um, I can tell you the wafers are just fine wheat flour and water sort of uh, baked between two hot plates. So it is essentially bread. Um, there's, nothing other, there's nothing other than wheat and water baked in a tiny little... So they are called breads, communion breads, or communion wafers. And that's just a practical thing. Um, because we can store them. In fact, I'll show you. There you go. That's what it looks like. Nice and easy. So, of course, the church is doing lots and lots of communion. It saves loads of bread getting wasted and going stale and all that kind of thing, so you just buy loads of these. It's bread, just not in the usual way that we, we tend to eat it. Um, and also, it allows for us to be, uh, to sort of dip the bread and the wine, which during COVID and everything else was very helpful, um, so it's just, that's just a practical thing. Just like eating it every month or so is just a practical consideration because you know, it takes a lot to get it done and all that sort of thing. Nevertheless, it is us coming forward to receive Jesus and to acknowledge, we need you. I need you. And now, just one little contentious um, sentence here in this part of Luke's Gospel maybe one of the most contentious sentences in the New Testament, where Jesus says, this is my body, and he says, this is my blood. Now, um, the New Testament has a way to say this is like my body. So in the very next chapter in Gethsemane, when Jesus is on his own in the garden, and he's deeply moved because he's about to go on trial and faces uh, crucifixion. It says, Luke says, his uh, sweat was like drops of blood. So he uses that form in the Greek there. It was like 
massive drops of blood, that was sweat was like that. So there is the mechanism for a like, to put a like in there. So Jesus could have said, this, is, this thing here, this bread is like my body, or this wine here is like, it's a bit like my blood, but he, he didn't. <laughs> and so he's set up 2,000 years of controversy in the church. Um, so of course you'll know that Roman Catholic believers want to say very, very, you know, um, solemn things about the bread and the wine and it's come, you know, it's ended up with uh, doctrines of transubstantiation so they believe that this really is the body and the blood of, of Christ. In the Church of England and in most of the Protestant church, um, we don't reduce it to just so certainly in the Church of England, we don't say this is just bread or just wine. Um, we actually do something more like this. We say that this by faith will be for us the body and the blood of Christ. Slightly different. So when I say, when we have communion here, the prayer that I must say before we eat is this, draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ which he gave for you, his blood which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that Christ died for you. Feed on him in your hearts by faith and with thanksgiving. I must say that prayer so that we all understand that it is by faith as we trust Jesus and we trust his words, we are receiving him in the bread and the wine. Incidentally, another just, another just side note here, that is why the, the Church of England sort of safeguards these things by saying we have to have certain prayers said at this point in the service. So if you've wondered to yourself, the, the 11 a.m. is kind of quite free and easy service, it's quite sort of chill, people are just, it's quite informal, and then all of a sudden we have communion and we switch into this quite liturgical style of worship, we just lots of words. Uh, it is to make sure that we say the right things about this meal and we don't get it wrong. So it's a little bit of a sort of a safeguard around this meal saying that at this point, the minister must say these words and exactly these words so that we say it right and so that the church understands it right. That's why we have to do it that way. So we receive Jesus. We don't stop receiving Jesus in this meal. And fourthly and finally, this meal reminds us to be, uh, to be the authentic people of God. We have to be at peace with one another. After taking the cup, this is verse 17 again, he gave thanks and said, take this, divide it among you. So you can't do the Lord's Supper over Zoom. You can't do it on your own. You have to be together with others. It's got to be this communal event where we share in a meal together. Quite often in the Church of England, we say the peace to one another as well. We'll say, peace be with you. Just before we have this meal, we'll share in, in the peace of God together. The point of that being that this meal represents communion with God, yet yeah, so we, we have fellowship with God our Father as his children, but also, this meal insists that we have fellowship and communion with one another as well. 
It requires us to be family, sharing a meal together. Which means that we constantly, as God's people, must be at peace and be reconciled to each other despite all our differences. Now just think for a moment about baptism. There's a font at the um, west end of this church. You can see it's just behind the coffee bars down there. The point of putting it by the door is that anyone can come in. Anyone can come into the community of God by baptism. It is a the simplest initiation ceremony. So you go to someone, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, you repent of your sins? Yes, right, great, be baptised. In you come. No other, te- there's nothing else. Nothing else. You don't have to, you know, walk over hot coals or pass an exam or anything else like that. It's, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, right, be baptised. In you come. It is the simplest of initiation ceremonies, which means the church is going to be full of All sorts of people, isn't it? Anyone can come in here. Anyone. Isn't that a beautiful symbol? It's right by the doors. You want to come in? Do you believe in Jesus? Great. Come over here. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Welcome. You're part of the family now. Which means that all sorts of people are going to be in here. Uh, People who are maybe quite like me. We share interests and hobbies, maybe got the same sort of heritage and background, support the same football team, etc., etc. But also, could be people who are very, very unlike me in all sorts of different ways. And Jesus says, right, you lot, when you get together, you're going to have to come and share a meal together and constantly work out all those differences. Because you're going to be sharing the same bread, and you're going to be sharing the same cup. And he insists on it. He said, if you, you know, you can't make a sham out this meal. If you're sat here and you're, you know, at odds with your brother or your sister in the church, then you're going to make a mockery of this meal. You can't do that. So this is Jesus' way. He's given us this meal. It's a mechanism He's going to keep checking in with us. Are you cool with each other? Are you in fellowship with your brother and sister? If not, we're about to have this meal together. So don't make a mockery of it. So it calls us always to have communion with one another at a deep level. And if we're we're spending time with each other, not just Sundays, but we're in each other's midweek groups and we're hanging out together and all that sort of thing, that's not going to be straightforward. But Jesus said, no, I'm going to give you this meal. I insist on it. And this meal makes it happen. So there we are. There's four things from Luke that will make us an authentic people. Whether we like it traditional style, traditional style church, or whether we like sort of modern, funky and groovy style church, What's important to Jesus is that we're box two Christians. We're expectant of a future day. We're people who understand it took took body and blood to get us in here. Body and blood. Can't sanitize it. We're people who constantly express our need for Jesus. 
That is the way we walk forward in faith together by always depending on and receiving him. And fourthly, we're a people of peace who are constantly being reconciled to each other despite all of our differences, lest we make it a mockery. Jesus like, if you can get those things, then you're looking like my people. Those are the essential qualities of my church. And I'm gonna make it happen with a meal. Powerful symbol, very deep, heavy with promise and significance. Shall we pray? Let's pray together. Faithful and loving God, in baptism you've adopted us as your children and you've made us members of your church, the body of Christ. You've chosen us for that future day to be inheritors of your kingdom. And we thank you that in this meal, this simple meal, that really any Christian community can share together, bread and wine, you ever renew your promises to us. You empower us by your spirit to be your people, the people of God. And you send us out as disciples. And so we thank you. Lord, may it be true. May we be an authentic church above all else. Whether we like it one way, whether we like it another way, all of those surface level things by the by, really, might we be an authentic people because of these things? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.